Hey everybody, this is Rob for the House of X Book Club, and I'm joined with a bunch of killer people. Uh, first, I do want to say though, sadly, we will miss him. Roger is not with us. Uh, well, at least not tonight. Just for a couple of episodes. There yeah. has been no murder in the Quiet Council, unlike in the X books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody did. <laughs> that, that's the truth. So we do miss Roger. He wasn't with us last episode, and he won't be with us, I think, on the next one either. Um, but uh, it's all right, because we got Drew. Hello. And uh, we have... <laughs> we have... <laughs> You scared me. <laughs> you gotta be careful, Rob. Them country boys spook easy. <laughs> Drew was doing something he shouldn't be, and then I, I called his name. He jumped. Um, <laughs> and we've got Shane, of course. Good evening, children. How are my favorite crackers doing? So how's the uh, how's the life in a boy band? Oh, it's fantastic. It's all glitter and um, blow pops. <laughs> Nice. I, and I want some. I should get some push pops now. <laughs> and then there's Rowan. Hello. Yeah, that that was nice. I, I think last last episode uh, you made me nervous with your your retort. I don't know what that was, but I, I felt <laughs> like I I was in danger. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're going to talk about a couple of books. We're going to talk about the X Men number thirty nine, and. Avengers number 48. Continuing with last episode, we've got two storylines here that we are just loving. All, all, all three of us are just really enjoying these, aren't we? Um, mm. <laughs> I guess that's one word you can use to describe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but let's go ahead and tear through them, shall we? Uh, X-Men number 39. It was released October 10th, 1967. The cover says it was December of 67. We have written by Roy Thomas, pencils by Don Heck, inks by Vince Coletta, lettering by Artie Simic, and of course, edit, edited or not edited by Stan Lee. The, uh, the title of this story, oh, I should tell you beforehand, there are two stories in this book. The first story by the people I just mentioned is the fateful finale. And if you think that's because this story is going to end, yeah, it'll live with you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. I think it's just going to pass straight out of my memory. Yeah. Okay. Drew's already forgotten it. He's <laughs> like, I hope you took notes because I got nothing. <laughs> I'm working on doing a Professor X on myself with these issues, but instead of a flashy thing, I've got vodka. There you go. Here, here. <laughs> So, the fateful finale, the X-Men fight Factor 3's mutant master to save the world. Uh, we go back to the two teams of X-Men. Bobby and Cyclops are fighting in the U.S. Now, of course, they're fighting the U United States military. Um, Again. Yeah, they try to save the base, but as Cyclops states, Factor 3 has agents ready to step in, and they do. Uh, Mastermind and Eunice, as well as Factor 3 androids, jump into action to uh, to fight the X-Men. Um, Mastermind and Eunice with a bunch of androids. Mastermind just creeps the hell out of me. I, I can't get over that. He is the skeeziest supervillain ever. Kind of like him 
because of that. Yeah, no, he's he's good. Yeah, he's a good supervillain. Uh, he's he's well done here. Also, back in Eastern Europe, some certain location, as it's called, in Eastern Europe, the X Men escape their cell. If you remember, they were captured along with the Blob, and they fight some Russian so- Russian soldiers. And then the Blob wakes up, and they got to fight him too. <sighs> well, they they find a bomb in a briefcase, but the Blob snatches it and runs off. <laughs> I just had an epiphany, but we'll cover that later. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Are, are you sure you don't want to talk about that now? Well, okay. Yeah, I will. So in the last the last issue of this, they did that cutaway scene. I remember it vividly because it's in my notes. Page seven, Stan had a fucked up little Stan blob, and they showed this bomb that's under the castle. But now the bomb's in a briefcase. Didn't realize that till just now. Maybe it yeah. was in a briefcase under the castle, Drew. And the briefcase was cut away too, so we didn't see it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, this is—is okay. is this the same bomb that he discovered by using the powers of his feet? No, that was the one that blew up in the beginning of the last issue. That's right. Okay. So the blob snatches it and takes off. Now we shoot back to the U.S. real quick um, because Eunice is beating the heck out of the X-Men. Um, uh, remind me, remind me, Rob. Um, is is Eunice untouchable? Because or because he never yeah. mentions it. He can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Something tells me at some point Eunice is going to want to be touched. And uh, sorry, man, it's not happening. Um, imagine call. <laughs> imagine calling yourself Eunice the Untouchable. Mm. Like that's just like every time he's like, I'm Eunice the Untouchable. Like okay, okay, you know. <laughs> Guys having no. Just... He's having no fun. Because of the mutant healing factor, mutants have a tendency to live longer. So even though he's like a middle-aged dude here in the 60s, in the 90s, he was the ghostwriter for the divinal song, I Touch Myself, but he had written it <laughs> ironically. That's right. That's right. Because he didn't. <laughs> so that was our little jaunt back to the U.S. Eunice trouncing on the X-Men, telling them that he can't be touched. Uh, in Russia... The X Men do get do get the bomb, and Angel tosses it into the sky where it blows up. They realize that the, uh, of course, the Russians realize that the X Men saved them. Angel, Gene, and Hank go to find. Uh, they go off to find Mutant Master, Ice Iceman, and Cyclops also find him, and uh, the Vanisher, Eunice, the Blob, the Mastermind all show up to fight just as the X-Men and Professor X shows up to save the day. Thank God Professor X is here to save the day. Yes, the uh, timing is spectacular. Yeah. Xavier explains that the Mutant Master is also against the so-called evil mutants. The bad guys start to believe him, and the Mutant Master throws a fit. He just has like a big temper tantrum. And he has his androids attack. And it's Mutant Master versus all the mutants. Now, here's something funny that happens at this point. Banshee wakes up and comes out and joins the fray. I'd forgotten about the Banshee. I had totally, totally forgotten that he was held captive by the Mutant Master along with Professor Xavier. Well, if they hadn't said it was Banshee in the notes, you wouldn't have been able to tell because as as poorly as Roger thought he was Drew in the previous issues he was in, boy, he looks like a five-pound five bag of crap 
in this book. <laughs> well, you know, he'd been through a lot. Um, so, so he he joins the fray by screaming at some androids. And as he blasts the mutant master's platform, which is, you know, this big, like, hovering, I don't know, mechanical, I don't know. It's got it, all his. It kind of looked like the spaceship from Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> wow. That's a deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he blasts the platform. He destroys the mutant master's disguise. Suddenly, everybody realizes that the mutant master is not a mutant at all, but an alien. Yeah, he's like an alien octopus. He's like a, a cephalopod. He's just kind of, you know, squirming around all tentacles and shit. Banshee shrieks at it. And suddenly, the the creature hits uh, a destruct button to detonate all the androids. Luckily, Professor Xavier shows up. Wait, two Professor Xaviers? Yeah. Professor Xavier shows up. And uh, the one who explained the mutant master's plan was, after all, he was the changeling. So, mutant master destructs. And the mutants decide to part on good terms. It's basically the evil mutants and the X-Men going, all right, thanks for your help. You guys take care. Um, we're just going to pretend like, you know, this didn't happen. Uh, next time we meet, we'll be enemies again. Okay, bye. The end of this is the most ridiculous ending ever. What? They get back it's, to the mansion. It's been 39 issues, and Jean gets to show off her sewing skills. Finally! No, <laughs> this is the second time she's given them new costumes. Besides, these costumes are horrible. They're, They're horrible. horrible. <laughs> Although I do like Cyclops's. Uh, well, because Cyclops is the one that stuck, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then you've got Iceman with his new boots and gloves. Yeah, we just never addressed the fact that Bobby's freeballing all the time. Yeah, all the time. He's... No Speedo for Bobby, just a pair of gloves and a pair of boots and a belt he does wear <laughs> oh although that could be an ice belt so I, he's I got know. he's got a speedo on it's more and it's more defined than it used to be yeah uh, i think also... he makes that himself sir I, I, yeah he does i, I started to say i want to point out that we already know that bobby's really good at ice sculpture yeah so <laughs> i just feel uh. like this is like costumes by crayola at this point it's <laughs> uh so so what were they thinking so Gene makes these new costumes, and I gotta say, we joke about about Angel being like in bonded into bondage, um, but the Shibari really shows up on this costume rather well. It's like, yes, you know, he's got these red ropes, well, <laughs> wrapped around. He's him. not quite in ropes, but I mean, he's. It does look a little more. It does look a little bit more bondagey yeah. <laughs> definitely not suspenders that's all i'm saying but yeah no it's like i can't imagine like if they're a costume worse it's like oh oh boss the x-men are attacking what do i shoot at the big yellow thing in the sky motherfucker uh, yeah <laughs> oh the yellow blue red orange uh green yeah honestly and i the... hate i hate jean gray's costume what the what is this ice skating outfit she's wearing? I just so I was telling Rowan this. Rowan hates Jean Grey's costume that she comes out with, which is this tiny little green dress with the yellow mask. That 
is a recent costume that she's been wearing as well. <laughs> right. I just it bothered me because she had a costume that looked like like everyone else's costume and it kind of made her an equal on the team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know, it kind of she didn't have anything special. She wasn't showing any leg. It, her costume had the same cut as all of the men. And now it's like we're getting a, a slight change in creative team. So now we've got to let's let's give the give the public what they want. I don't think the public wants this. I, uh, yeah. I don't <laughs> even think. That. Uh, so Hank, his costume is pretty basic. Um, in fact, I think he uses that for quite a while. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I, know. Angel? The red shirt or whatever he's wearing. Because he wears that one in X Factor. Yeah. Yeah. It, of it course, that was a lot better when he is turns blue. Right. Well, so he wears this one in X Factor once he, um, yeah, because he was blue for a while. Then he got, he turned himself back normal. And then they realized that he was also getting stronger and he was getting dumber. dumber. <laughs> then he put this costume on as he got dumber. <laughs> and then he finally, I guess, if I remember correctly, there was no real explanation except that he went around the horn and went back to being blue and furry. He got so dumb, he went back around to the top again. <laughs> I think there's a little more explanation than that. But yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing that I, I found interesting about this, right? Changeling poses as Xavier to convince the evil mutants that ma mutant masters up to something like he couldn't have done that as changeling like they're going to trust the good mutant over the evil mutant that's telling no them kidding stuff. right uh i don't know maybe that's maybe that's the thing he's evil I, How, why should we trust him i think um, the only the only reason they did that was just just to show that he does have a power to change well yeah because he we've been reading about him for like three issues and he hasn't used his power at all yet so so there you go that is true. I don't know. Is that that whole thing was like rushed and sloppy? Yeah, uh, totally rushed and sloppy, especially to end an arc. Like uh, the only the only thing I I really appreciated about this issue was the fact that they used Banshee as like the Deus Ex Machina. He came in and he just yeah. out and that was it. Like that was literally <laughs> they were in the middle of this badass fight. Everyone was just like no no clear winner was happening, and all of a sudden Banshee comes and screams and everything ends that's i it. wonder if this okay i wonder if this is what happened i wonder if banshee actually wasn't in the story at all until somebody's like great how do we fix this well we have banshee come out and just blow everything up with a scream all right but we have to tell people at some point in the beginning that he's been captured oh yeah okay let's do that let's do that and then we'll stretch it out a little bit <laughs> you know maybe um, it felt like he just came out of nowhere he did he literally did yeah I totally had forgotten about him. Yes. Uh, How did he get out of the machine? He was quadriplegic. Wait, what? He was in the same machine that Professor X was previous issue that yeah. made it so that they both were quadriplegic. Yeah, they couldn't. They, they couldn't, couldn't use their arms or their legs. I think the my my favorite thing about this issue is that it, I finished it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Uh, there was like, so when I used to read the books when we were younger, I remember I was more into the story than the art. And you and Roger, Rob, both liked the art a little bit, a lot more than I did. And But going through these books, I'm noticing some shenanigans in the art yeah. department. Like there's one panel in this book where Angel has no wings. And I had no idea that that was him. And then there's numerous times where there's someone talking off panel and they don't say who it is. And as near as I could tell, to escape the prison, the beast just talked it down. He just wore it down until the prison just let him out because I was like, God, if this guy leaves, this stone won't have to listen to him fucking yammer anymore. <laughs> and the one of the things that, that struck me as odd was when the bomb was about to go off and it began to violently vibrate. Yeah. That's not how bombs work. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was just it was it was like very, I mean, and again, I know Roger always tells us not to worry about reality, but <laughs> there's the suspension of disbelief was very difficult with this one. And did you guys notice, I'd like to know about how it looked on, on Marvel Unlimited, but in my issue, Mutant Master's costume completely changed. Like previously he'd been, he'd been wearing like a green and yellow or green and gray, green and dark blue, maybe costume. And then this one. It was the same exact color scheme as Magneto. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It did change right. color. Yeah. It actually did. And not only that, but like the texture of the helmet changed too. Like in this issue, it looks like a helmet helmet, like a full on metal thing where before it looked like a salad bowl with shower curtain in, hung in where the holes had been cut. It's over now. And we can... <laughs> move on with our lives <laughs> the, uh, one thing that i just did not understand it happened it happened on page two so uh, uh cyclops and iceman are at the army base trying to deactivate the nukes or whatever the hell they're trying to do and he freezes uh, an air conditioning unit and that's how they or air filters or something yeah, the air filtration yeah. system he freezes bobby freezes the air filtration system and that deactivates the nukes i don't know how that works uh magnetism it might i can't be the only one who noticed that <laughs> <laughs> it looked good on paper going in i don't i don't know all i all i can say is this storyline is over um oh my god something else is coming um <laughs> but it'll get better you guys i promise it was just uh, such a letdown that we've been yeah. going for however many issues, even before this this you know three or four you know issue arc about how Factor Three is the biggest menace to ever menace mutant kind, and then it just ends. It just completely yeah. falls yeah. off a cliff. I'm like, oh, it's over. I'm like, oh, it's not even it's not even a cliffhanger. No. It's just just it's done. But well, we do have a backup story. Hooray! So, hooray for that. Um, so the story number two is, um, called Lonely Are the Hunted, written by Roy Thomas, penciled by Werner Roth, uh, J, uh, John Verporten did the inks, Al Kurzak did the lettering, and Stanley, of course, did the editing. 
and uh, this is we're we're back where we left off in the last issue uh, in the last issue backup where Cyclops, there's that angry there's that angry yeah. pointing fella again right in the yeah first that guy panel. he's leading the angry <laughs> mob against the uh, the young guy who just saved a bunch of people from a falling uh, air conditioning unit like you do um, now Xavier and Agent Duncan contact the orphanage that, that this boy went to scott summers was at this orphanage and that's the sunset orphanage um and they discovered of course that he ran off to new york city well yeah because he's here now i mean for some people this is a spoiler and for some not but the sunset orphanage is a bad place it's a bad place drew i'm just telling you right now uh well, in pop culture, orphanages are always bad things. So good. I'm glad you know that. Well, this one I think <laughs> is is run by Mister Sinister. Um, well, that actually <laughs> makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll come up again in about 30 years. All right. So Charles goes and investigates the situation. Right. He talks to an optometrist that suspected that Scott was a mutant because there was something weird with his eyes. <laughs> um. And this is weird. So I I never I never noticed this, but this is where he got his original ruby quartz glasses. Was the optometrist said, yeah, the only thing that, that he could uh, see through were these glasses with ruby quartz in them. Uh, they were the only thing that helped. Yeah, he was getting headaches or something. Every yeah. eye doctor has those just laying around. Yeah, no mind. Yeah, did. like a, how did he even know how to make those? He's like, I don't know what's going on with your eyes, but let me make these glasses for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I almost feel better thinking it was something that Xavier designed, you know, but yeah, that's not the case. Well, we have to take that with a grain of salt because Xavier is supposedly telling these stories. And we know how we can trust him, right? We know he's trustworthy. Zero percent. So Cyclops runs, uh, runs off and joins a group of homeless guys he calls them hobos who uh they turn on him because obviously he's he's a rich college kid with money um the police show up to help him but they try to remove his glasses for some reason and he shoots off a blast and then he flees he runs off goes off and he hides in a, a lonely shack in the woods See, the mistake that he made was not showing up with a Mr. Coffee, a shoelace, and an onion and making him hobo chili. He would have won him over See, real quick that way. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, of course, once he gets inside this little shack, he meets the very first evil mutant. And that's where the story ends. Now, I have a couple talking points here. Um, one of which is... Uh, that they mentioned this story taking place in the middle 1960s, last issue. So the X-Men were formed in 1963. And this is like the first X-Men retcon. <laughs> <laughs> 1967. So this story was, was, you know, published in 1967. And it says that, this whole like backup story before Xavier forms the X-Men took place in the middle 1960s. I, I don't know how to reconcile that. Which would have been two years before the issue was published. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah. And several years after it took place originally or uh, originally published. <laughs> so 
anyway, this this is the first X Men retcon. Um, even the hobos, as Cyclops calls them, call him college boy. But before the X Men were formed, Scott was only in high school. Right, he was a high school mm-hmm, age kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yep. there's another retcon. Um, and then my third note on that is who's the first evil mutant? Um, Apocalypse. Namor. <laughs> Xavier. So, Xavier. There you go. <laughs> Magnetism. Mm-hmm. I was just like. What I was actually relieved at one point in reading this book. Yeah. And I will tell you why. At on in the book when Xavier goes and meets with the optometrist, he's like, Yes, I remember the the report I filed with the FBI. I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> at least Professor Xavier can't flashy thing people before he meets them. it's like this would turn into a horror book real quick he's just like mind wiping people randomly across the ether that some of my bitch looked at me funny on the bus yesterday he's gotta pay yeah oh my god that's awesome i mean really (laughs) yeah uh at any rate so what do you guys think what do you think about this backup it was okay I, it was short. It, yeah, it it kind of it. Nothing about it was surprising. I think the only the only quote unquote surprising thing was the very end when that he meets the first evil mutant and he's like in in shadow, so you don't really know who he is. But yeah. it, this is just any anybody who's read the X Men up to this point can just kind of infer from what has happened that yeah, this is this makes all this makes sense. Yeah, of course yeah. this happened. Right, right. I well, do have to say I was disappointed in in Scott for hearing the creepy wavy voice coming from the cabin going, "Come here, young boy. Come here." And he went. Yeah. Well, wasn't yeah. it in his head though? Yeah. Wasn't it like in his brain? I thought those were thought bubbles. Well, so let me tell you, this is we- like one of the last issues that we read of the Avengers. You remember when Magneto is luring Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver to the castle? The same thing happens. But when people hear voices in their head calling them forth, why doesn't anybody just go, fuck that? No way. You know, <laughs> they're like, right. okay. Yeah, they were even on, on uh, monitor duty and yeah. they, they <laughs> and went they toward their, the voice. They risk getting fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we shouldn't be surprised that Scott like answered a voice. I mean, because the, the X-Men, they're, they're kind of passive. They do... They just sort of like do what they're yeah. told. Yeah. They just sort of like, okay. Yeah. They... Mental, mental summons is their thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing the voice didn't say, go destroy the Fantastic Four, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Our so... only job is to obey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can move on to the next issue. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. I have I, to this, say, this, I was this. I was just so disappointed in this issue. Like, I wasn't even mad. I was just disappointed. I I have to say, I'm pretty excited for the next issue. Are you okay? I, well, I was until I read it. <laughs> the next <laughs> X Men oh. issue or the next Avengers issue? The next Avengers issue because the it, the Black Knight is pretty cool. Not today, pretty cool. 
but becomes a really <laughs> cool character. Yeah. Who wears this same costume 60 years later? Yeah. That's that really I mean, you think about it, the the design on that lasted for 60 years. In the That's 90s, pretty he dope. put a leather bomber's jacket on over it, but that was about it. That's of course true. he did. They was, the yeah, well, that was the 90s. Yeah, Every, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. He 90s. and Rogue had matching bomber's jackets, and they weren't even dating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> boy. If if Drew hates Hercules in the 60s, wait till you see him in the 90s. Oh, thank um, you. Oh. <laughs> what could be worse? God, uh, I have I have such I have fond, such fond memories about everybody's 90s costumes just because they're so bad. Well, Hercules had the brown bomber jacket, too, right? uh kind of yes but he also had like a new big head piece it was kind of like a a rob liefeld head head ornament thing um but yeah and that was and that was john bashima drawing or not no, that was sal sal, sal drawing yeah. the x-men or the avengers he, at that point he also wore a black tank top with the big That's red right. a on it it was the black tank top with the big red a <laughs> yeah and and then in the 2000s and a rambo headband at some point yeah, and, and it, in the 2000s, it becomes his turn to be the alcoholic, and yeah, he's crashing on Pip the Troll's couch, I think it is, or or no, is it, he's like, is he sleeping on D-Man's couch? Is that what it is? He like, Boy, one good turn deserves another. <laughs> oh, that's, that's when you're dropping low, man. Um, all right, well, let's get into Avengers 48. Uh, the release date is November 9th, 1967. Cover date was January of 68. Roy Thomas wrote it. George Tuska penciled it. George Tuska inked it. Artie Simic lettered it. Stan Lee edited it. And the <laughs> title is The Black Knight Lives Again. Uh, I was also excited about this issue. And it, it is because I have really come to like Black Knight, actually. Uh, well, liked them way back when. I liked them in the 80s. Um, so we begin our story with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, captives of Magneto and Toad at Garrett Castle, home of Dane Whitman. Uh, I still say that I, I thought this was somewhere in Europe. Um, <laughs> I, I at first missed that it was in the United States. Uh, but, you know... Uh, it, it, I don't know. All is made clear, sort of, at some point. Um, I do think of it's Man kind of dangerous to keep all the medieval torture devices around So when for when um, villains come and take over his castle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, that's very polite. Magneto, of course, wants the, uh, the twins, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, to join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So what better way to convince them than chaining them up? Uh, <laughs> they get yeah. loose. Yeah, that's the way you can convince people of your goodwill by yep. tying them up and and threatening them. He keeps yep. threatening them. That's his recruiting method. Yep. Uh, they get loose. Pietro calls the Avengers for help. Um, meanwhile, Dane Whitman comes too because he was knocked out, and he decides. Oh yeah, he was knocked out by his evil uh, assistant Norris. So he comes to and decides to never let his castle again be used for evil. So this is where we learn the story of the Black, the original Black Knight. And then we get to meet a new hero, the Black Knight. So Dane Whitman becomes the new Black Knight. And I, I don't know. He's got costume ready. 
you know, brand new helmet, just ready. It's just there. Magnetism. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's addressed later. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he been... does say that, you know, he's been preparing for this day for months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Dane goes to the heroes for help, but, you know, he goes to the Avengers, but they think that he's the original Black Knight, which I don't know why, because he looks nothing like the original Black Knight, but I, he's on a flying horse. You know, he probably should have sent a message first. Call him. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's got yeah. that big magnetic machine in his basement that he can use to Ooh. make phone calls. The right. president you know has been sends set. messages. <laughs> yeah. So there's a fight, and the Black Knight uh, saves Hawkeye, who's in danger. Who did not and... deserve to be saved because he just tried to murder the Black Knight and his horse. So finally they believe that he's a good guy. But then they piss him off after he, ta <laughs> he takes him to his castle and, uh, and he boogies. He's, he's, I don't know, he's... That made me sad. Yeah, I, I want to talk about I want to talk about something here that happens. Uh, Hawkeye uses, you know, he's got these weapons, right? He's got these arrows that do different things. Um, the one that he uses proudly in this issue is his signature arrow poon. Yeah. And, Shoot uh, a flying horse. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so an arrow poon, I'm guessing, is is a harpoon on an arrow, right? Which would be an arrow, arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So an arrow poon. Um, he never again calls it an arrow poon. He calls it a a, a, a some kind of arrow line, or you know, um, he calls it that in this issue later. Aeropoon. He called yeah, no, he he changed his name. Airline. Calls yeah. it airline. Yeah. He and he does that a few times. Aeropoon he only uses once. But as soon as I read that, I could not let it go. Oh my God. Uh I'm like, Aeropoon it I actually sounds kind of dirty. Um you know, I don't know what's going on there, but Yeah, that whole thing that whole sequence was like, geez, like Hawkeye's still a villain. I was like, so he shot the horse climbed a rope that was it that that means that in the harpoon that he had shot into the horse then climbs up behind the black knight and tries to choke him to death yeah yeah he does <laughs> yeah he, he does fights dirty that. because he um, thinks it might be a bad guy now i also want to point out the phone call when pietro uh, quicksilver calls the avengers for help um you remember that they were called forth by a strange, mysterious voice. They were lured there by Magneto, but they were on the job when they left. They were on monitor duty. So when they call the Avengers headquarters, the people who should be answering the phone are them. Um, yep. I loved that scene. I loved it. <laughs> and so, so who who's there but Jarvis, the butler? And he's like, oh, so good. The phone's ringing, but you know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch will get it. And he walks off. <laughs> Dude, Jar Jarvis, Jarvis ignoring that call that like that unknown to him was a mayday, you know, from Scarlet yeah. Witch and Quicksilver just so that he could leave work at the end of his shift was yeah. so relatable. Like right? I would have like if the phone's ringing and I, but it's, I'm about to clock up. I'm like, Oh, the next person can take care of that. That's fine with me. I got a bolt. Yep. It's, <laughs> I'm off it's five 30. I'm leaving. That's right. 
Yes, I um, loved it. Good for you, Jarvis. I stand. Right. I stand with Jarvis. There's there's also a bit where when they're fighting the Black Knight, um, that uh, the 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 wasp like slams into his uh, javelin, right? And he calls it a mace, or it's a, his lance, right? He bashes into it to kind of throw his beam off. Um, and he says, uh, you know, she hit my mace. That is not a mace. It's it's a lance. It's a lance, man. I mean, am I wrong in that? Okay. You know, nope. I, okay. <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, there's there's quite a few things that, this this goes really squirrely really early on. They never explain how Quicksilver is able to escape the handcuffs. Other yes, than do. this yes, one's kind, this one's kind of loose. It's in my notes because I I have on my first note on page one. If Quicksilver was the Flash, he could vibrate his way out of that. Sucks to be the inferior speedster. <laughs> and then and then I and then uh so I I you know read read page two I get to page three and I'm looking at the art and I'm like oh he does escape it I need to erase that note because I'm wrong and then he's like oh no I just slipped my hand out of it because it was loose I was like oh I'm vindicated <laughs> fuck you Quicksilver but we got to go back to page two because when they say no to joining the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants Magneto decides to show them how strong he is. And and starts trying to impress them with his feats of strength, both <laughs> both magnetically and physically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, I'll join. Um, <laughs> I I think Magneto's kind of dumb in this issue. Like he's just <laughs> he's not too bright. Hella dumb. So For at real. some point, Pietro suggests that they will join. Like, oh, yeah, you're pretty strong, dude. Okay, we'll join. And Magneto's like, see? Right, that's right. Yeah. And uh, even the Toad's smart enough not to trust him. But Magneto's like, no, Toad, what are you talking about? He's going to join. You know? <laughs> he threatens Toad. I think he shoves Toad away or something like that. Always. He just abuses Toad. Him. Yeah. Always. But, I mean, okay, the other problem I had as a tech, there is no way that that microphone fit in Quicksilver's belt. Nope. Methinks me it was somewhere a little bit further south than around the corner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the first of this is a key issue because it's the first appearance of the Avengers Keister Mike. That's probably Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wow. I'm thinking you're using your magnetic powers to fling a mic. Um wait. So so let's talk about Hank and Janet's little adventure in Vegas. Oh Lord. Okay. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good little adventure. Yeah. They're like, uh, oh, there's there's uh there's an emergency. Oh wait, this guy's cheating. We gotta take care of this asshole first. Um <laughs> I so I do I do have a question for you, Rob, about that. That guy's name in this book was uh JB DeSalvo. Uh-huh. Is he an actual character in anything else, or is that just like a throwaway name that they used Ooh. for this? You know, I I don't know, but Rowan and I kind of we, we kind of hung out on his name for a while. DeSalvio, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it seems familiar. It, it really does. And usually they don't name, you know, just the mob. Right. They don't throw out names at all. Yeah. 
or maybe a last name or maybe a first name, but this was this is a full name. And it was what DeSalvio? J B DeSalvio, D E S A L V I O. Like I said, we we pondered that for a while. Um and he felt like a specific kind of jerk. Oh, the only thing that the Marvel database says is this was his only appearance. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good question. Without his little magnet thing, he was apparently not strong enough for a callback. <laughs> yeah. Good, well, good so yeah, him cheating that. at him cheating at roulette and having a little magnet in his pocket and uh the wasp and uh Goliath, who is shrinking a lot, um, you know. Yeah, he's called Ant Man in this issue. He was called Goliath That's... last issue, and he's called Ant Man in this issue, and it's yeah. the same creative team. It's just it's whatever he does with his powers, right? Because here's the thing: I think that even though he's not writing the books, I feel that the tone of these books has got major Stanley fingerprints all over them. Yeah. I mean, and when you read this scene with them in the casino, I was just like, oh, Stan doesn't understand how gambling or roulette or casinos work. Nope. Because if someone ran one 11 times in a row, you could bet that the bouncers are going to come and ask some questions. Yeah. Well, not only that, but everybody at the table would be betting the same way they were. That too. <laughs> Hank wouldn't be sitting there going, oh, son of a bitch, I lost again. Hank would be betting with that motherfucker over there. Atlantic City's not that far, Mr. Lee. You could have made a trip. So let's let's talk about Dane Whitman and his scientific endeavors. Um, okay, Pegasus. so he, he created this suit, but he also created a mutant winged stallion. Cerebro's okay. not putting in work yeah it doesn't look as impressive does it so he he how did first of all how did he do it uh it, now what is he an engineer what is his what is his profession i've asked that my multiple times during the course of this book club and it's, yeah. it's usually about a villain but like they just everybody knows everything it's fine yeah <laughs> so he can build this equipment to send magnetic communication waves to space and he can create a, a mutant winged horse. I don't know why the Avengers don't snatch him right up. Much better than recruiting Hawkeye from Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> uh, another thing I think is funny is that, you know, when he becomes the hero, the Black Knight, he first thing he wants to do to protect his castle is go fight Magneto with a bunch of metal. <laughs> As you do. But he also decides that he he's going to tell the Avengers. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You don't go into hero and angry like yeah. Dane Whitman does there. You know, he, he starts out with a chip on his shoulder. So his first encounter is bound to be bad. Yeah. He needs um, to get some self-help books, work through some of his issues, then come back and maybe we can talk about Avengerism. Question to you guys. Uh, the the three issue story arc with the Avengers and the three issue story arc with the X Men, which are you liking better? Oh, well, I would say probably the Avengers by a hair, just because I Possibly. like the Black Knight, and it's kind of cool that this is his origin story. Uh -huh. 
I I feel like I also Avengers wins by a hair just because that that disappointing ending to the Factor Three storyline. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the Avengers a little bit better, but Dude. not by much. It's still not great. I think if it hadn't been for the Hercules sections in these books, I would have liked the Avengers books. Yeah, the Hercules is like, I'm just, I'm in the weeds about the Hercules thing. Even though they, eh, spoiler alert, they do explain it. And I'm like, what? What? I, I what? What's this guy's beef? I don't get it. <laughs> but that's bullshit. That is, I mean, their their whole thing is they want to bring mythology to life in the books on, you know, for, for the masses. But Typhon wasn't a Titan. No, he wasn't. And like he, he, Typhon was a he was a monster. Like he, he created most of the monsters in Greek mythology along with his wife Echidna. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, Hercules is just fighting a quote unquote Titan that isn't actually a Titan, and he thinks him being a demigod, half god, half human, can take on a Titan when that Titan has killed all the gods in like the last week makes no sense maybe he started he was a secret alcoholic all the way back here <laughs> god hercules I'm, I'm, uh. oh well uh so my note my only note about hercules is that i grew up noticing him like knowing him with facial hair so when i see him with no facial hair he looks like he's about 14 um <laughs> and that was it I, I kind of like the artwork within in the Hercules segments to a degree. There was there was some stuff that was a bit shaky, but Hercules just looked too happy and too jolly to to for me to believe that uh, that he was you know the prince of power. I mean, there was definitely again Ant Man shrinking down and wandering around on the blackjack table. No one's gonna notice that. Well, yeah. somebody talks it's, about, hey, there's ants on your table. One of the gambling gamblers, one of the customers. Yes, well, that was the yeah, from off yeah. panel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they're like, well, leave them alone. They're going to be lucky. And sure enough, they were. <laughs> yeah, because those quiet, ants... everybody's going to want ants on their table. Yeah, there's a, there's a famous cutaway, and we get to see the ants talking to each other. All right, Joe, you go this way and you go that way. <laughs> I loved that. Sometimes, yeah, like some of this stuff just seems like it's really thrown together really quick. Like on page 10, one of the boxes, it's not the editor's notes at the bottom, but I assume that a lot of these boxes are directed by Stan because at, uh, the second panel of page 10, he said, now that we've introduced the final character in our dramatic, our dynamic drama, it's time to start our star-studded story on page 10. Mm -hmm. We're starting <laughs> the fucking story. I no, just, was... you're halfway through the goddamn story. <laughs> so I was I was just scrolling through this, and, and and this is kind of how I feel about this trilogy of Avengers books. Is is like, so I was just talking about Hercules fighting the Titan. Well, that's the next freaking issue. Like mm -hmm. that's issue that's issue number forty nine. But all this shit runs together so much that I don't I, I can't keep it straight. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so spoiler for the next issue, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, and then and then like his whole final testing. It's like, all right, I've created this Pegasus in the lab. Let's take it up. 
spin around the house once or twice, ready to be the Black Knight. I did like the ants. That's that's my positive note. I I liked the little ant dudes just chilling, having a good time, helping Ant Man win it win at some roulette and right. chatting up, chatting each other up and having a grand old time. Hooray for helpful ants! Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if they do that regularly because I'm not obviously not familiar with Ant Man, Giant Man, Goliath, Hank Pym, but like, <laughs> they're, they're they're great little dudes in this. I love them. Yep, they're all right. Kind of makes me want to read up to the point that they get married. <laughs> about yeah Pam. you you definitely got to stop there though because it starts to get dark <laughs> right away <laughs> i was just like i said earlier i was just impressed that hawkeye went balls deep on the fucking murder right off the bat and i'm like man just like like swinging for the fences professor x style here <laughs> yeah. the crimes of hawkeye <laughs> i've always had a soft spot for hawkeye but he he's pretty fucked up in this <laughs> <laughs> all right well any last thoughts on uh Avengers 48. I wish we could have heard what Roger thought about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we should still ask him when he comes back. Um, <laughs> I know he's got thoughts for sure. I'm sure he does. But yeah, no, yeah. That was, it's the same characterization of every time someone new gets introduced into a book. Let's let's tussle him first before we talk to him and find out what's up. Yeah. Right. I I had a I had a D&D campaign where we uh, a player character came in later like we the campaign was already established and and we threw in another character and none of us none of us other players wanted it to wanted to really but it was the dm's younger brother so we we're like eh fuck it let's do it and that's how he was introduced like the dm threw him at us like as a as a tussle like this and the whole the whole rest of the campaign nobody liked his character <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, uh, before we go, I want to point out something uh, from our social media. Um, so from our Instagram page, when we were posting episode 15 um, on our Instagram page, 1407 Gray Malkin left us a nice comment. He says, thank you for giving me something to listen to while I'm being forced to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to your gospel, LOL. I, I responded only as the only way I could, really, which was amen. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's great that that people are prioritizing us over, uh, you know, stuff they don't want to do. Um, that, that's it. Our, our social media is pretty good. You guys should go follow it if you're not. Yeah, I, th I sure. think we have a great church. We swear a lot and spend a lot of time with the, the blood of Christ. <laughs> we just drink it out of jelly jars instead of <laughs> some creepy old man's hand. <laughs> oh, you make it sound so appealing now. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's I mean that's that's a wrap of an episode for us. Um, wow, these two issues. I mean, I'm I gotta say I I want something bigger and better. And uh, I well, want the, it quick. Part I I think, and here's the here's the deal. Part of the problem is, is I I had been reading it for a little while, but when I introduced you and Roger to the X Men and really got you guys into reading it, it was peak. That was the peak yeah. of that book. 
it, Australia, I mean, the Australian adventures, the Australian <laughs> adventures. And then even beyond that, when it's split yeah. to the, the, the Jim Lee X-Men and the, yeah, yeah. and the Sylvester X-Men, that stuff was just amazing. Yeah. Um, and then there was, that was actually where I started reading. It was when Sylvester was drawing uncanny during, during Inferno. That's where okay. I started reading. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there, there was like they were rotating between. I mean, just it was Chris Claremont writing, and then your rotating cast of artists was Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, and Wills Portacio. Jesus, yeah. it was good stuff. It was the it was, it was the it was the best book that Marvel was putting out. Yeah, by far. And I mean, those books were just absolutely killing. I mean, that just goes to show, like, how much having a consistent team that cares about the books affects the actual product as opposed yeah. to just having a, an assembly line like is is happening right now in in the late 60s because like everyone's just they're just pumping out pages because you know nobody's getting paid unless they're you know just throwing shit on paper all right yeah well you know we've talked a few times about this book being monster of the week and oh boy special treat next episode <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> next episode x-men number 40 is the mask of the monster and we will be talking about a, a very famous monster uh created by mary shelley and he will be fighting the x-men oh man <laughs> ice bad you know <laughs> everyone so. grab a jelly jar and some blood of christ because this is gonna get rough <laughs> and maybe some of that vodka yeah also we will uh also be talking about adventures 49 to wrap up this whole mess and uh <laughs> talking a little bit more about hercules uh, although it's already been spoken it's already about been this. said yeah but... <laughs> can't even keep it straight i just hate that guy so much <laughs> at any rate well i'm glad we did it and i'm glad it's over thanks you guys for being here